that should be our, our, our mantra of, of paying it forward. There shouldn't be that tribal knowledge of, you know, hey, I'm the guy that knows how to start fire in the tribe, and then I get eaten by a lion and everybody freezes to death and doesn't know how to cook their food. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. <laughs> it is Weekly Scrap number 108. Dania is my guest today. I'm excited for this one. I'm, I'm being very serious. Uh, <laughs> Usually I'm interviewing a stranger that I met online or someone said he's awesome or whatever, but today I get to interview someone that I consider a very close friend. So it's awesome for me. He's been serving in the fire service for over 22 years. He's been a training officer. He has been on USAR teams. He developed the K9 training program for OK Task Force One. He and his partner Salsa took second place in the Iron Dog competition. If there is a technician, like if they put technician on something and put a cert by it, then this man has it. Uh, you, if there's a technician and you're in the rescue industry, he has it. So, bottom line, from rope, swift water, everything in between, he's been a driver. He's been a company officer. Currently, he is the fire training center coordinator at Oklahoma City Fire Department. And everyone, I'm really like glossing over this man's career when I, I'm giving you the cliff notes here. My brother, Daniel, welcome to Weekly Scrap number 108. Oh, well, thank you for uh, having me on there, or on here, actually. <laughs> awesome, man. We're kicking it off. Facebook keeps changing stuff on me on, as far as how everything works, so we'll just, we'll just adapt and overcome together. Did Perfect. I miss anything in the intro, anything that you want to add? No, that was way over, overselling <laughs> what I did. I just attended a lot of classes. How about that? Fair enough. Fair enough. And you are very, hum- and he's also humble. So you can throw that in there. All right. I'm just getting Speaking everything. of, of humble, I'm going to go ahead and hijack your, your deal. Let me see if I can get that picture in there. Oh, dude. That is the man, the myth, the legend, uh, BFD in Blanchard, Oklahoma, <laughs> lead singer for, not anyone's hero. Is that right? Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so did, I you, stole that off your phone the other day. So you did your research, enjoy. sir. <laughs> that was the green Mohawk days. Yeah. Back when we all had hair, right? Right. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. Um, now you've completely bamboozled me. I don't often I'm get sorry. bamboozled. All right. <laughs> I'm hitting right into the question. So right off the start. You have a very unique perspective. I love talking to you about it uh, when it comes to our profession because you are heart and soul a firefighter, but that's not where you started. You started on the PD side. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, uh, I, my initial career, uh, like all the good decisions that I did, uh, my, uh, my life coach uh, pointed me in the direction of a job down in Norman. So it was uh, I just got my paramedic uh, license, and so – she said, hey, go down here, and it was a premier EMS program down there, and it was actually associated with the police department. So we were actually a division of the PD, like internal affairs or investigations and stuff like that, so the EMS. So I started, went through police academy, police certified, and all that type of stuff. So uh, that's, you know, I started my uh, career in service as a uh, police officer. Right. Or police paramedic, how about that? Right. I know you're the paramedic side, and you did it a few years, right? Yeah, I did it about uh, four years, uh, and in that in that time, 
the uh, the city council uh, voted to dissolve actually that division, and they transferred it to uh, a hospital based uh, EMS service. And so I had to kind of make a, a you know one of the many life choice life decisions. decisions of, right? You know, do I want to be a patrol officer or do I want to be uh, a paramedic? And so I went to the you know paramedic route, uh, really based on the fact that my passion was not uh, law enforcement. My right. passion was uh, uh, EMS. And so that's why I went down that route uh, and, and went ahead and transitioned from the police department to a hospital-based EMS service, and then which then led me to uh, the fire department. So Right on, man. Right on. No, I love it. But it does give you a very unique perspective because situational awareness, which is one of the – I mean, I loved it so much. I had you come into my department and teach the class there. And the situational awareness that you developed as a police officer that played into firefighters that a lot of us don't think about. Well, we uh, that that program was developed uh, as I was uh, joined the fire service. Uh, obviously, I was indoctrinated into it. It is different mindsets of how how people are trained. Uh, the police department is trained that uh, everybody's going to lie to you, everybody wants to kill you, and so it's very more, uh, very much a uh, a paranoid. Uh, which puts every puts why police officers are always on point and always skeptical and all that type of stuff. Whereas the fire department training is everybody loves you and you show up and, and make things better and all that type of stuff. And which really kind of leads us into this false sense of security because uh, the majority of our calls, at least in my department, uh, 80% plus are medical related and the other, the rest are, are, are actual true working structure fires and right. stuff like that. Right. And we ran into a lot of situations uh, as I was coming up into in my career as a firefighter uh, where we were very lucky and uh, not skillful. And I promoted uh, to sergeant or driver, if you would, as a position and took a position in the EMS office. And so I was an EMS training officer. And the chief at that time said, you know, with your background, can you develop this program based on situational awareness? And basically what I took was what I learned in the police academy and married that into uh, the fire, the fire side, you know, and the uh, drawing those, connecting those dots between how we size up a structure and uh, how we do our 360. And and once we get inside and, you know, relating – uh, how we go in on an attack line and we're reading smoke and we're watching bi-directional flow and, and our flow pass and, and, and constantly monitoring these conditions when we get inside the structure of where that we need to stay, change our actions or uh, go it to a defensive operation. And then just plug that into what a patrol officer does when they come onto a scene and they size up a structure and they look at all the sides and they, they have a general outline where people are and all that type of stuff. And they go inside the structure and then how you approach that structure and what you look for uh, when you're inside and how to read the people and do the body language and basically read smoke of people in the situation and determine is it getting better or is it getting worse? Getting worse and right. if it's getting worse, you know, as a as a tactile, and you're pushing down that hallway, and your conditions are getting worse, and you start painting the walls and and uh, occupying real estate, you should do the same on a medical call. And but it's it's different. And so I, I I show them how to 
you know, your body people mirror your body language and mirror your actions and how you can position your equipment and all the, the multitude of different facets of how to read that situation and then how to adapt your tactics to make the situation safer for you. Right. And then when, when you pull the hook, you know, when you're banked down and on your, on, on your knees and, and things aren't getting better, you don't have that second line to come in to make stuff better. All right. We're, we're going to punch out. And when, when is that time to punch out on a medical call? Right. So. No, absolutely. Uh, and one of the things I love, man, uh, we went, came, we came down for Eodicium before it was called Eodicium. It was like the training night, but the first time I came down, you took one of my crews from Moore and you took them through a medical call at the dollhouse and you walked them through it. And, but, but halfway through, you're like, Hey, do you guys have a call? You can send to dispatch and say, uh, look, we need PD here now, but everybody on scene doesn't know. You basically like the code 99 or insert whatever. Do you have one? And I was like, I've never heard of this. Explain it, you know? So go ahead. Dude, I love that concept. So, uh, one of my, I don't know, uh, gold stickers that I can put on my uh, smiley face board of, of a job well done is that was a narrative I wanted to push is uh, when we started doing the program and we've been doing the program for since six oh seven is when I first initially developed the program uh, was have code words with your guys. You know, and at the time we would hit the emergency button and dispatch would go, what's the nature of your emergency? And that usually made situations much worse because now you're shooting a flare and they're like, hey, why are you calling the police and all that type of stuff? And so our department instituted a a 1090. So we took a 10 code from the police department, our uh, Oklahoma City Police Department, which is officer needs assistance. And so uh, our SOPs literally say in a casual voice, you know, dispatch we're on scene we're 1090 everything's good uh show us uh on you know show us on scene or whatever along those lines and so they can shoot that flare without uh when you're in a hostile situation or aggressive situation where people's emotions are you know over the top you're not adding fuel to that fire and also you can call for help and uh request a lot of stuff back when you know in oh oh five oh six oh seven it was you would send somebody out for, you know, hey, go grab a Halligan or whatever. Some, you right. know, go grab the medical bag X. Yeah, you the know. blinker fluid. Make right. sure you turn off the blinker fluid switch. Right. And that was code for everybody to turn the radios off so that guy could go outside on ditch bash and go, dear God, send help. You know. Right. And so we've made a lot of inroads with that. And so uh, that was, yeah, you know, I felt was was a huge safety factor of uh when they implemented that in and we've actually used it several times uh because our previous deal was hey if i call for pd their immediate reaction was what's the nature of the call right why do you need them here why do you need them Uh, because the guy i'm standing in front of you is is highly agitated (laughs) right highly agitated and doesn't want to know the cops are coming yeah exactly no 100 percent, man i love it and that's that that's the basis of the basis of that uh, the situational awareness class is to show all these indicators, just like the the NIOSH five, right? We all right. know the NIOSH five and the and the big deal. And on a medical call, we're so naive as a department in in our responses to that because we have that everybody loves a fireman mentality. That I show how your your dispatch information should be an indicator. Your scene size up should be an indicator. 
your assessment of the conditions on the scene should be an indicator. You should not be surprised that, A, either you're potentially going into or you should know prior to that, hey, I need to back off. And, you know, and just like a structure fire, if flames are blowing out, it's very, you know, flames are blowing out all, all the windows uh, on all your divisions. It's very easy. Clear cut. We're going to go defensive. We're going right. to hit it hard from the yard or whatever. Right. But we're not. And, and some of our calls are like that, like, you know, shooting or stabbing sure. or something like that. We know what we, in. we right. automatically stage. We go defensive, yeah. if you would, for lack of a more technical term. And uh, but the ambiguous ones of a uh, an assault or a domestic or uh, just a medical call. And we go into the third party uh, nightmares that we get when we go on third party calls and why that's such a huge danger and that that flag right uh that i you know so uh try to teach those officers and those firefighters that you should if you're paying attention and sizing up your call like you do on fires which we're excellent at sizing up calls on fires and just horrible on medical calls is you look down and you have a bucket full of flags you should not be surprised that you got yourself into a situation like right this. And so we just kind of give that information out there that, hey, that's an indicator. And it's not everything is, you know, just because I have a handful of, of flags, you know, stranger danger flags doesn't mean I'm not going to go in and I'm not going to make patient contact, but I'm going to take a different tact. Right. And have everybody's going to be more on point that, hey, you know, just like your bread and butter fires that you have, if you're having that, you know, your volume, velocity and density, you know, it's just chugging, you know, all right, this is going to be a bad deal. We're still going to make a hard hard pushing on an interior attack, but everybody's on point that, that things could go sideways on you. So, uh, that's, God, that's a long story long on. What beautiful, dude. I, can, I don't think I could, <laughs> I don't think I could ask for a better version. So I'm going to catch you up. Guy Hall said, evening brother. Gigi Galasso says your knowledge and experience is greatly needed among us. Oki oh. takeover. Jesse Kate said, Oki takeover. <laughs> there we are. It's time. Uh, great way to spend a Friday night with the scrap. Um. Yes, Amanda Moore, a huge fan of the scrap, by the way, said Tina Mathis. <laughs> did you see that pick from the Pirates Den? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, All hell reps is stoked. We got people watching. Yes, love it. Complacency kills from Zach Pace. Uh, and Dustin Champlain said, "Hey, Oklahoma brothers, sorry I'm late. That one deserves a heart." All right, we're rocking and rolling. Pulling up the notes. That was question one. Situational awareness, how important it is for us. I like your take on it so much, man. Uh, thank you for sharing it. What started your love for special operations? Uh, God, that's a, I that throw, a... I throw like big fat... Yeah, That's an extra question. Well, I, uh, it's kind of ironic that uh, uh, I had some dear friends that uh, came into town were kind of celebrating their birthday and uh, get caught up. I haven't seen them since like July and they've been to Oklahoma dozens of times. And, uh, and they had brought up that they had never been to the bombing memorial. Okay. And so we went to the bombing memorial, which is obviously, you know, kind of an emotional sure. uh, run for firefighters. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, kind of a, a side note on Dane's career the bombing memorial was a sentinel event uh, for me, not necessarily at the time uh, as, as far as response to the bombing memorial. I was in Norman uh, running EMS calls. We, we brought the command post up and, and did some security perimeter uh, uh, security stuff for on the PD side. But 
as far as hands-on boots on the ground stuff, I was not involved in the, uh, the bombing. But we fast forward to uh, when the USAR uh, program, when uh, at the time Major Kelly and uh, Captain Walker nice. approached me about. I know <laughs> that's now, weird you know. to say. I know. Now it's our fire chief and our deputy chief of operations, and so uh, they approached me and said, "Hey, we're we're starting the USAR program. You've gone through all the structural collapse confines, but you know all the." Right all the courses and stuff, uh, but we're missing this one element, uh, which is that canine program. And so I, uh, I didn't know anything about dogs. I didn't know anything about dogs as far as searching. You know, I was a, a, a technical search specialist uh, in our USAR program, and that's what we were missing. To, uh, that key element was missing for us to be a type one uh, deployable task force. So I was like, yeah, I'll go down that rabbit hole and, and see what comes out. So I, I made phone calls to, Virginia Task Force, Metro Dade, uh, Cal 5, uh, Cal 2, Cal 1. And this company kept bouncing back of this is where we get our dogs from and all that type stuff. And they sent me SOPs and policies and all that. Uh, but really, how do we get these trained search dogs uh, online? And they, they kept coming back to the uh, National Search Dog Foundation, which is out of California. So I called them. Uh, they, they were extremely gracious but uh they said we only deal with fema you're not a federal team you're a state team so uh thanks but no thanks we'll provide you any information you need and by chance uh my wife was starting a uh camp for uh physically and sexually abused foster children and their director's enrichment program was in uh, la so i was going to be out i flew out there uh, with her uh, she was going to go to the conference and i contacted the people at search dog foundation and said hey i know uh, you guys can't uh, provide us dogs but i want to pick your brain right and so the director met me and we met halfway in burbank they're out of ojai and uh, we sat down and started chatting uh, about dogs and the fire department and all that i i didn't know the backstory and so this is this is going to be that tie back to this uh, the bombing memorial. Uh, the the founder of the National Search Dog Foundation was a lady named Wilma Melville, and she was one of the. Uh, she was attached to, I believe it was Cal Five. And they had their search dogs, so they deployed to Oklahoma. It was the first time that the USAR system, the FEMA USAR system, was activated. Activated. Uh, the first time Oklahoma City had ever used ICS in a big chart. You know, there was right. a lot of first times with that. But what they found out is their dogs were terrible. She was on the FEMA subcommittee for uh, the development of the USAR K-9 program. And it was not in its infancy stage. There were several years into the end of the program. Uh, but their dogs were trained more on wildland, scent search, and all that, but not okay. rubble and, and right. that, uh, that fortitude of... More about tracking like a fugitive more as opposed, to, as opposed to someone buried under rubble. So the, the FEMA subcommittee with Wilma went, scrapped their program and rebuilt it. And she said, as she kind of at the, when she left Oklahoma city bombing, she said, uh, I'm going to start this company and we're going to train, uh, search dogs and we're going to give them to fire department, uh, firefighters to search for people. And it's going to be at no cost. Mm. And so Herculean task, no doubt. And her, her job was to, she wanted her goal before she retired was going to be, which was funny because she's, uh, She's this little, small, little, she was a, a, a teacher, an educational teacher, and got into the search uh, dog program by def- default 
being a wildland search uh, dog lady out in California. And so she wanted to trade 100, train 168 search dogs uh, for the number of people that were killed in the, the bombing. Hey. So I didn't know that was the backstory with the Search Dog Foundation. I kind of got that when I was in Burbank uh, meeting with uh, Deborah Tosh. And she was like, I need you to stop asking questions. I need to make a phone call. And so she got on there. She called uh, one of their board of directors, talked to Wilma. So I'm sitting in, in a, a Denny's right. waiting for her. She's outside talking on the stuff. And they came back and she said, we're in. You know, Wilma started in Oklahoma. We haven't done a state team. But the, the, the whole reason the Search Talk Foundation is here is because of the Oklahoma City bombing. And we would be uh, egregious error if we did not provide dogs to Oklahoma city fire department. So, and that's how our search dog program started. That's amazing. was bro. with them. So, you know, it's just kind of a weird time. So back to your original question, Holy cow, we're going to go down all kinds <laughs> of crazy rabbit holes on this one. But, uh, you know, my, my start in the USAR program or, or my passion in the, uh, search and rescue side of it was the bombing. Right. You know, right. Uh, I got, you know, just by, weird stars lining up, you know, got assigned a task and, you know, I was already on the USAR team in a different capacity. And then when we started the uh, USAR program, he was like, Hey, we need to find canine handlers. And so uh, I was like, well, I'll throw my hat in the ring. We were interviewed, not by the fire department, but actually by the search dog foundation. They came out and met with the family and did all that type of stuff. And so uh, make sure that, uh, because it is a huge commitment, no doubt about you know, it. You train every day and, and do rubble searches, uh, you know, once a week. It's just a massive amount of, of training with these dogs. Uh, so that was my start, first introduction into uh, that passionate side of, of searching, which then kind of really kind of, you know, pivoted my career path. When uh, my time was up in the EMS office, uh, the the powers to be in the corner office was we need a we need a driver a solid driver at our special operations station you're already in that mix right and so that's where i went and, and i drove a heavy rescue for know well, seven or eight years and uh, you know just kind of that jack of all trades right. i fought fire and we did a lot of uh you know we did all the special operations stuff, which was split water, dive. And no, a thousand percent. And then stuff. my interaction, I think Nebraska Task Force 1, I, I don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that's who I got assigned to during after the May uh, May 20th in 2013, just going through rubble, just going through rubble and, and getting to talk to them and their dog handlers and, and the the process and the, the, the things they do. Uh, what I wanted to ask you was, were you always a dog person or did this? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I thought I was going to get fired. Uh, Deborah came and actually uh, came to our house and, 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 and looked at the house and, and interviewed my wife and interviewed me. And I had at the time I had a Chihuahua and a Boston Terrier and I let the dogs out, shut the door. One dog came back, opened the door, shut the door, opened the door, which was the typical deal. And then after the third time I'd open the sliding glass door and shut the door, the Boston Terrier would come in. And the lady that was coming to evaluate us as to be canine handlers was like, that dog has you trained. And I'm like, I just got fired. <laughs> you know, 
I've, I'm such a bad human with foams that right. the dog is like, hey, I'm only going to come when you do it three times. You know, it's, I feel it's like it was a train wreck. <laughs> so, uh, no, I wasn't always I've, – I've, I've had dogs, uh, but I would never have uh, in a million years if I would have gone back and asked my uh, pre-fire department, Dane, you know, hey, would you be a canine handler? <laughs> no. Right. So it just uh, kind of fell into my lap, really. But so, – now I don't want to bring up salsa too much, but you and salsa were number two in the nation. Yeah, yeah, we were. Uh, we were invited. Uh, we get to, we begin in Oklahoma. Uh, we got deployed quite a bit on uh, tornado stuff. Got an invite to uh, New York, which was a competition. Uh, they had it called a Iron Dog competition, which uh, was held by the New York. Uh, Fire marshals or a New York State rescue uh, deal, and it was a there was a 20, 20 dog teams from across the United States, and we flew into New York, and I was caught with my pants down from when I got off the airport uh, or off the plane. <laughs> got off the plane, grabbed my baggage, went out, and there was a guy standing there with a sign that said, "You know, Daniel and Salsa." I got in a car, and we had grid coordinates, and we started. Uh, our stuff from there just right there uh, right out the gate yeah dude that's awesome yeah it was gps coordinates you show up at a at a warehouse and do a wider search inside a warehouse and find your victims a mark you were scored on all that once you finish that they give you gps coordinates and you'd be out in the middle of a field and not sure uh you're the right place and a black hawk helicopter at land take you to some other place and you'd go to search a rebel piles it was it was uh it was three days of chaos. No doubt, um, dude. And, uh, yeah, I was I was really excited the fact that uh, we actually did. We scored second. Uh, our team did. Uh, we were paired with other people. There was a guy from Kansas who we were paired with. We had a, a search team manager. There was a new guy from uh, Rochester. And so we were all uh, just shooting from the hip, uh, running and gunning. Uh, and Oklahoma, actually, our Oklahoma teams were one, two, and four. Nine. So uh, I was very, very, very proud of uh, uh, our representation on the Iron Dog. So. Right on, dude. No, do you, uh, do you think that uh, owes to the bombing? I mean, better or worse? Asking the question. Yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah because it come, It's for us. It was a personal deal, and you know that that mantra of trust your dog. Right. And so we overtrained on the fact that if my dog indicated or did not indicate, and and that and that really came into into play and no no indicated more. i, I want to i want to bring it up for people that don't know dog handling indicated what do you mean when you say indicated okay so uh we'll send the dog off on a search uh they'll they'll do a search pattern they'll get into a scent cone and then they'll 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 weave in and out of that scent cone until they find that that sweet spot that most concentrated deal and then we'll do a focus market so they'll head down and bark until we pull them off and then uh and that's their indication that they found somebody and so uh, that's that's a live find indication. So we'll we'll throw them a bumper, and they you know that's that's the game. Right. The dogs are playing uh, professional hide and seek. You know they don't <laughs> right. know that they're they're looking for a victim. They think that victim is because when we train, we'll actually bury uh, victims that have their toys, and when the dog indicates, we'll stick that toy out of a hole or a crack, and that's that's the game. The game. And so they're always, and so in that training for I'm gonna, I'm going to compress. Oh, about 15,000 steps into one okay. is the dogs will look on a pile. So the dogs that showed up in the memorial, but like, 
they would pull everybody off the pile. They would search, right, to not confuse the scent pool. And that the 2.0 post uh, Wilma Melville rewriting the program, we actually train with people on the pile. So you got to continue searching on the pile and continue doing that. And the dog will go, okay, that's Steve over there. And he's no fun because I can see him. Right. He ate onions. I'm looking for the, for the jackass that's hiding. Right. You know, with my toy. Right. And so that's, that's kind of basically how we, we train the dogs. They're, they're looking for the guy that's hiding. Right. So. No, that's awesome. Hey, um, and and there's a difference. I'm asking because I don't know cadaver versus live search. Is there? Is there? Uh, yeah. The 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 training uh, is very similar. Instead of using victims, you you use cadaver cadaver parts. Uh, you can do a lot of solo. Uh, cadaver people are weird anyway, and so uh, and so their training kind of really lends to the fact that they search for dead bodies. Right. Uh, so they can hide uh, cadaver parts onto the rebel pile, and then when the dog indicates, they can reward and all that type of stuff. So it's it's the training is very similar. It's that scent training, whereas our dogs are not they're indiscriminate as far as scent pool. Right. So I couldn't give uh, salsa your shirt and go, hey, go find Corley. She can't do that. Okay. You know, it's not like a wildlife tracking. So, but the the, the training is different. There are some uh, dual cert dogs that will do cadaver and live find. Uh, we never bought into that because we never wanted to have a question of a negative result. Right. One of the things that we had in uh, the bombing, which really set our program back, uh, the canine program back quite a bit, was the boots on the ground when they were searching, the dogs would indicate they would dig and find a, a, a deceased victim. And so there was a lot of, yay, we found a victim. And then, damn, the dogs found a, 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 a deceased victim. Right. And so those guys were now in charge of our department. And they were like, these dogs suck anyway. You know, we spent all our time digging for lunch pails and, and cadaver deceased victims. And so it really kind of set our program back a, a little bit as far as instituting it because there was that skepticism from the uh, the guys that were now in charge because they had seen, uh, I don't want to say poorly trained. They were the best trained dogs that we had at the time. At the time. Just not trained at, that, uh, uh, at the level that they needed to be. And so we never, we never bought into a dual dual certified dog you're either a cadaver or a live find and then that that was rock solid that if my dog had a negative indication i knew and if my dog had a live find in, uh, indication it was there was no question right whatsoever you're gonna you, there's a chance you're gonna make a save if if right and so we just never wanted to go down that road okay so we always have you know and tulsa is has got a, a several cadaver dogs but they're single source cadaver dogs okay and no. their life finds are single source and it's fascinating to me because i've never gone down that rabbit hole uh you know at all so it's fascinating and i love dogs i mean you know me so oh yeah yeah i have like a stable of horses <laughs> i call dogs yeah you do have a stable of horses <laughs> um uh yeah okay so i'm gonna catch you up i'm gonna say uh lj guy said dane Yaw is one cool dude i'm gonna click like on that because i'm gonna oh, actually i'm gonna say love you, lj <laughs> I'm going to try and get a heart to it. Uh, Guy Hall the Third said, always got to be vigilant on EMS calls. I've been in more fights riding the box than working in a prison, law enforcement, and firefighting, and not fights that were initiated by my crew. So there Absolutely. you go. 100%. Uh, most were drug or alcohol induced. He did follow up with that. 
mm-hmm. Mike Emilio said Eights is watching. <laughs> oh no! Well done, brother. <laughs> he gave you a well so, done, brother. I'm so. going to be judged by my peers at uh, <laughs> my old station, so that's terrifying. Robert Ramirez, one of my favorite people in the whole world, said, "Good stuff, gents. That bombing memorial was an amazing experience and one of the highlights from our trip to OKC. A must do. Great Absolutely. content, brother. Y'all." Dane. Oh, thank you. That that means a lot for my boy from from uh, yeah. Florida. He's he's been in the mix. So there's no doubt. And Jacob Johnson said, "Dane, my dude." Uh, Robert said, "Our dogs and handlers on Florida Two are the absolute best. They provide a huge, tangible and intangible resource on long deployments. One hundred percent, absolutely." And Kyle absolutely. Kyle Parasic says, "Strong work, Mister President." <laughs> and I want to say I, it was very intentional. Like I got my yeah I. I, <laughs> I was intentional. If I could step away from my thing, my my, I have the exact same shirt sitting on the bed. I I switched out to throw props to my uh, my buddy. No, so. no, it's awesome, man. But no, so. Mid America Fools. Hey, for those that don't know, Danielle is the president of the Mid America Fools here, right here. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma City Metro Area Fools organization. So, so I want to give a a, a, a shout out to Jacob Johnson. Uh, he has been. Uh, Unbeknownst to him, kind of a a, a, a champion uh, sentinel being for uh, some change within our, our training division. So shout out to you, uh, Chief Johnson. Any details there or, in Texas? Or... Do what? I said, is there any details of, on, on the impact or anything? Or I'm... Uh, do your damn job. <laughs> well. You know, uh, we're revamping our mentor program. Uh, uh, not necessarily word for word what Jacob Johnson has been doing down there in Texas, but uh, how to, how to engage that station officer. Do you absolutely, you know, I need to get a sticker like that too. I have it actually, I wish I would have taken a picture of it. I have it actually, uh, the, the one that uh, he, uh, the big thick gold letters. Yeah. No, it's the black and white uh, big one. It's on the back of my computer screen. So when you walk into my office, it says, do your damn job. Do your damn job. (laughs) Awesome. So, but, you know, our, our uh, revamping our mentor program, pushing it out into the field. And so that's uh, he's been a, a, a big uh, uh, inspiration for that. So it's a very cool deal. And not to make it about Jacob, but when he came down and spoke at Honor the Fallen, he talked about the letters that you write. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and yeah. 100% I said, I'm going to do that. You're right. And that was back in May. So I just started doing it. So I've written like four letters, but I am doing. Have you it. instituted it? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a checklist of every everybody. I'm gonna I'm gonna write one to everybody's spouse or significant oh. other. So we'll we'll go back and props on that one of uh, uh, my training majors, Paul Davis, bought uh, a book that is our our entire training program is based on on a book called The Talent Code, and this is uh, the fifty uh, the little book of talent, which is like fifty two tips. And it's basically a guy that wrote the talent code, put all the high points of it. And he, and he bought it for all the mentors and FTOs that are coming down. And he said, well, I'm going to give it to them. They're showing up Monday, actually this Monday, because we're fixed to start our academy. And I threw a, a Jacob Johnson uh, jab at him and said, you need, to, you need to write a note in there and personalize it to each one of the per- people in there. And he was like, I love that idea. And I said, I wish it was mine, but right. it's not. And so he's going to personalize all those books for those guys. And if you're watching, you're going to get a book, and it's going to have a, a nice little note from Paul Davis. So, that's yeah, badass. Good stuff. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's, that's the basis of the fire department is, 
information sharing yes. and taking what works and pushing it out to your guys. Uh, I got a letter from our deputy chief of operations. Actually, I didn't get a letter from the deputy chief for operations. Much like the the scrap, uh, my <laughs> no. wife got a letter first from our deputy <laughs> chief of operations. Right. Uh, you know, kind of highlighting uh, why he uh, he liked what I was doing. Awesome. And so, you know, that's 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 the that's the gig is to to find a, a technique or a, a way of doing business and spreading the word and and letting it take well, take it, hold it's crazy change that, change that culture and not just the culture in in your department right but everybody's that's, department. that's it because like who who would think that a battalion chief from Pearland i used to say Pearland, but it's Pearland, Pearland, texas could have such an impact you know my department your department and i don't know where else but at least and, those, at the minimum those two and i know it's much more but you get my point yeah, and a mean two-stepper, too, he is. He is a very uh, – and he can teach. Uh, <laughs> David Mellon is popping in with a few exclamation points saying, what's up? i like to see it. Oh, my stress inoculation buddy. Yes, no doubt about it. If, if there was someone committed to it. Okay, pulling up the notes, getting back to it. Got the K-9 program. Now, before we get into your current position, I want to get into the chain. Um, dude, that is one of the most powerful – statements i've ever seen like symbolized in an inanimate object if that makes sense what i'm saying dude is so strong so Uh, i so wish i had baited up right totally steal it though that dude totally steal it let me hear the story nothing's real nothing's new (laughs) Uh, all right so the historical chain uh i would love like all great ideas Hey, here, real quick, real quick, I'm going to interrupt you because, John, I, dude, I can't even, you have to, I need the parentheses with how to pronounce your last name because someday I'll remember. But John said, I stole about six ideas from a life safety conference last week. What is the best idea you have stolen over the years? So I interrupted you to be the lead in for this story. Go ahead. The best idea that I've stolen or the historical chain? Now I'm, I'm all off the map. No, no. Historical chain, <laughs> and then we'll go to the question. So. All right. We'll circle back to, to John Seal. All right. So. Uh, Soldier. So when I was, uh, me and uh, Wiley Gapehart uh, were brought down to, uh, uh, as, as training officers. Uh, at the time, Court Smith and, and Justin Lorenzen were already uh, – assigned to the training division. Uh, we got one of the FTOs, which was uh, Tim uh, West Sitton. He was coming down, and we just kind of got a collection of, of mines, and we were at uh, Henry Hudson's, of all places, doing uh, flights and trying to really kind of roundtable uh, what the academy was going to look like, the themes behind the academy, and all the the nuances of, of, of change that we wanted to do. And I, I can honestly say, I don't know where, where the chain came, uh, the idea came in and who actually was the idea, but, uh, court was really adamant about, uh, so in the military, when a commanding officer comes into a new, new base, they move the rocks, change tanks and all that type of stuff. They basically peer around what the, is considered their space. Right. right. They, right. They yeah. Market, market. And so, right. 
And so uh, that I kind of took that philosophy when I uh, came down as the training center coordinator and said, hey, we need to shake stuff up. It was kind of a, and not that the guys were doing bad before, but it was a stagnant program. Uh, and we said, all right, this is the, the building blocks of which they have developed. How can we make it better? And so we, How can we, we want to develop right, some pride and ownership. And so, hey, we want a logo that represents our, our training uh, department. And Court said the anvil because uh, that's what you do. And, and that was his, his input on this, this, this train wreck of, of a, a culture change was <laughs> you heat up metal and you hammer it into a working tool. And he said, "That's that's what the uh, that we need to have the anvil as our as a hallmark." And so we named the our drill ground the forge. That's where we heat heat our raw material up, our, our recruits, our firefighters, our officers, and and then we bang them on that anvil, and make them into a working tool. So we we created that uh, that anvil as our logo, and then then we created the uh, one standard. We're going to teach to one standard. We're not going to be able to teach you all the tricks of the trade. We, we can guarantee that every firefighter that comes out of our recruit academy will be taught the exact same thing into a one standard. In the process of developing that one standard, we based it off of the talent code, which I had mentioned earlier, right. which talks about chunk training. Right. Where you take little bits and, and you, you expand on that. So your initial step, like there's nine steps to throwing a ladder or whatever. And so that first one is pulling that ladder and shouldering. Right. And you draw back, and that's that first chunk. And it was like, uh, for me, in the, we'll haul back, uh, uh, go back to the canine training. When we train a dog, we do link training. We link each of these elements in until you have that final product. And I was like, well, we do that with the dog training, uh, this links. And so that's where the links came in. And we were talking about, you know, everybody's a link in the chain. And, and it just that that analogy seemed to fit that really you know, one link doesn't do any work. But if you link a bunch of links together, they can do a lot of work. And uh, and then the idea was spawned that uh, each link is an individual person on the department. Hey, how fun would that be? And I would hopefully Chief Walker's not or Chief Kelly's not listening. How much time was spent researching how many people were on the department? But uh, it's it's probably in the thousands of dollars of, right. of me going back and looking at pictures and well, whatever it was, it was, it was, it was, it was worth it. So, right. And so what, long story long, we have a, our, our, in our classroom, our main, our main classroom where we teach the pit is what you call it. Uh, we had that logo painted and then we have a link for every firefighter that's been hired since uh, 1889. And it goes all the way to the present. And each of them are broken into academies uh, of when they started. And so, and then we have on that, that historical chain, we have the original uh, 16 firefighters that were volunteers in 1889 and became paid uh, 50 cents a day to be a paid uh, awesome, firefighter. <laughs> I'm on my phone crazy. right now. I'm trying to pull it up so I can show people who are watching them. I think I can. I, I, post, uh, I posted it after I taught there the other day. And so, so um, yeah, right here. And then, the next, uh, so all of them are just raw chain, and what's so you uh, see those chains? Yeah, yeah. I, I, is it focusing? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, so there's the chain. So you see the logo, the and then it circles around, and then it goes up and down. Yeah, I'll show you like there's the original, like the uh, yeah, that's where it wraps around, and then it goes to that going yeah. up and down the wall. So that is actually. Uh, uh, somewhat accurate number of 
every firefighter that's been on the job. So we have the first 16, and those are actually painted red, indicating the, you know, honoring those first 16 firefighters. And then the next uh, designation is the first 12 African-American firefighters that we had back in uh, the, the 50s. And then it and then it goes down, and then the only ones, all the links are broken into our academy years. Right. The only ones that are identified solely are Hallmark benchmarks. And so uh, there's a red chain, uh, which was the first female firefighter, and then there's another red chain that is the first African-American female firefighter. And then uh, the ones that are only the ones that are uh, the only ones that are identified by their name, or it's actually their initials, are are fallen. And so we have all our fallen firefighters that have died in the line of duty are are painted white and have a, a tag on their mm. individual link that's uh, that with their initials. Yeah, so, so powerful, man. And then and we tell our recruits that there's some know, broken links. There's some broken links that are scattered around the bottom of that anvil too, man. So you got to yeah, touch on so, you got to touch on that. So uh, when the recruits first uh, their first day when they start academy, we have uh, a recruit from the previous class, the all around recruit, come in and talk to them, and it kind of give them the hey, this is uh, you know I'm freshly out of academy and I've got my year on or whatever, and this is. You know my lessons learned and 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 my road to uh, right. the fire department, and he gives them an individual link, and he tells them that uh, that link looks like all the other links that are on this wall, and he said, but you're not attached to that. So if you screw up, everybody's going to identify you as those links up there. So don't don't get a DUI, don't do stupid things, don't do all that because they're going to say the Oklahoma City firefighter, right? Not an individual link and you're not a part of that. But once you graduate rookie school and Academy, we will put your links in there. And with that comes a lot of responsibility because you're going to be pulling the line. You are going to be the first section of, of chain of working chain, but you're going to be pulling all that honor and history and sacrifice that has come before you. And that's a heavy load to pull, but you're attached to all the other links and they're going to be pulling with you. So, you know, Godspeed. But when somebody washes out, we'll take their link and clip it and throw it down at the at the front of the podium. And so there, the front a of the anvil is There's a, a sea of, oh, yeah. of, of it, broken links. Those are the weakest links. You know, they weren't strong enough to be able to tow the line. So that's a strong, strong, strong message, brother. And so, um, how important is is that messaging and that tradition and that legacy and building that to you? Oh, I, I I think it's our 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 cornerstone of of what a fire firefighter should be. You need to set that at their their beginning stages of their career that honor and tradition and pride and ownership. And you can't have a pride and ownership unless you know where you come from oh, and well, the organization that you're a part of. So we do a lot of of. His history in our recruit academy to to develop that pride and ownership along with a, a myriad of other things but that's I, I think that's paramount to be into the job and, and love your job is to love the department you work for and with that becomes that history from where that fire department came from yes now I'm going to try and say it Eodicium Eodicium yes which is much better you used to call it Vinny Vinny Vici or I just used to make fun of it and say Vinny Vici <laughs> So EUDCM, uh, which is used to formally known as the Extended Trading Day, yes, is Latin for the trial. 
And that is a 24-hour period where we uh, bring the recruits in. And that's really kind of that transition from that 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, academy style. They, we bring them in for 24 hours. We bring, uh, which is awesome. We've got guys from the field to come down and, and volunteer their time to be company officers and drivers and uh, fire setters and set up signal 82s and so it's they run a gamut so they'll have a commercial fire a structure fire a car fire and, and you you start them out in the morning 82. they got to like cook breakfast and yeah they're at the training center like cleaning cleaning and then they're going out and flowing hydrants and like and then all of a sudden like a tonal drop and they'll be going on a car wreck or they'll be going on a fire alarm right we break the the, the entire academy up into companies just like at the fire station we have dispatch that sets up in a command post they carry the radios just like they are uh, out in the field, and they never know when the call is going to drop. You know, and of course, you know, you know, the peak behind the screen is uh, we pick an opportune to- moments for the the calls to drop. You know, right in the middle of breakfast or right. or when you're in the shower, somebody goes to the restroom, we we pop a call on them uh, just to you know, uh, art mimics life, you know, type of deal. <laughs> right, and uh, and it's. It, that was that that concept we actually it, which is fantastic about the fire service is we stole that from Tulsa Tulsa does this the exact same thing not nearly on the scale that we do now but uh, so I'll throw them under the bus on that one but we, we stole that idea that that 24-hour training day from them and they incorporated it how how we can we can do that uh, with the resources that we have and like I said we have uh, We'll have more volunteers from the field than we do actual recruits going through the evolutions. And now our police departments bought in. They want to. They uh, uh, they saw it and they want to. They want to incorporate their uh, their uh, recruits to do car accidents and and coordinate off the areas. Yeah, work with the work with fire accidents. on an accident. Work scene. with the fire yeah. access. IMSA's uh, actually come on board. They want to bring their new. Uh, 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 paramedics and and uh, EMTs into well, the mix. And last so year, actually, last year you reached out to us and said, "Hey, neighboring department, us, right? Can you delayed responses?" Yes. And, you, and so it's it's just grown into this huge, crazy deal. Uh, we brought in uh, rideouts from the field and, and run them through chief's assessment stuff uh, as far as disciplinary problems. So we'll incorporate those recruits and bring them in so that they see how the disciplinary problems work and all that type of stuff. And they have to problem solve. And it's just grown into this organic deal. We brought melon down that just <laughs> screwed everybody up with stress inoculation. I'll so say this, anybody- like, <laughs> like the first day you, we sent an engine company there and you guys incorporate them and said, Hey, your first due on this, it's a commercial fire. Your first due go and plugged it in and went. And then like you had a, a wife of a training major, a training captain, Lieutenant, come up and grab the captain as he tried to get off the rig, shaking him and saying, my babies, my babies are inside there. You know, just that kind of, uh, uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was actually, uh, and we've, we've actually taken stuff, which is, you know, I'm always constantly amazed at how the fire service evolves and how training evolves as just, uh, uh, you know, Mellon came down and did his, you know, he's, he's inside a bird, you know, hopefully NIOSH and OSHA's not listening or my bosses. <laughs> he's but, fine. Know, he's inside. He has a, a complete encapsulating mask. He's fine. Yes, mask. 
and he's naked or he's not naked. He's, he's uh, uh, partially clothed. How about that? And as soon as they force the door, he pops out and he's using, which, which is crazy. He's using fireman speak, right? So that huge stress inoculation, they're not used to a victim. They've never had that even, right. you know, a, a, a victim running out at him. He grabs him. He says, my wife and child are on Charlie division two, Charlie Delta corner. So he's using fireman speak, right? Trying to break through that, that where you run from that prefrontal cortex of back into the amygdala. Lizard brain, right? And yeah, the lizard brain. And what did that that new officer who was actually in a, 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 a firefighter out in the field that was put himself in harm's way to come out here and, and help train the recruits, and he is now being trained. Right. He's the, uh, the, the incident commander, first rig on scene. He has a victim come out, and so he's like, search. We have no victims inside the house, and he sends them on search, which was fantastic. But what would have been stellar is if he'd have said, start on Division Two, Charlie Delta Corner, the last known vi- place of the victim. So, but it was a, you know, this like a great training, moment. it was yeah. a, it was a great teaching moment. And so after after this chaos of this fire and victims and you know babies babies being thrown out the window, all that type of stuff, was that after action review going okay. What did we learn? I get this. What did what did you miss? And he was like, "Well, I, you know." And he said, "I told you, you know, the victims were on the Charlie Delta corner." So then now that burns that 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 myelin sheath pathway of okay, the next time that guy goes on scene, he's going to really dial into what that what that victim is saying. I mean, and then adjust his his uh, uh, strategy or tactic based on that information. As close as you can get to actual recognition, prime decision making based off actual experience. Yeah, and that's. Uh, that's one of the things that I was most excited about uh, when I came down to uh, the training division is to be able to take all that nerdy science and incorporate it into our training. And so I, I, I think our guys or our recruits are coming out with uh, a much better understanding of thermodynamics and flow paths and all that type of stuff because we've, we've pushed the envelope on uh, – to what instead of that linear we're going to learn about ladders the next week we're going to learn about hoses right and now it's this shotgun approach which is, was this framework that JLo and court had put in and then we just expanded on it and that's that's kind of the 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 should be the pinnacle of of how fire departments should should do things is take what's there make it better Make your, you know, when I when I leave the the training division or I retire the fire department, I should have made it better, right? You know, yes. and that's that should be our, our our mantra of of paying it forward. Is there shouldn't be that tribal knowledge of, you know, hey, I'm the guy that knows how to start fire in the tribe, and then I get eaten by a lion, and everybody freezes to death and doesn't know how to cook their food. You know, if we don't train and make things better and, and expand what my knowledge has. If I don't give it to you and give it to this other department, when I'm gone, I'm gone. It's that legacy, which goes back to that chain. You know, those guys taught us how to do the way, and the ones that didn't, that, that knowledge was lost. So that should be our, our calling card is to never let that knowledge go away. We should always make the department better than what way we found it. 
Sorry, I try to write down sound bites when I catch them. Uh, oh. So I was writing it that down. That was a sound bite? <laughs> no, it was a sound bite. It was a very good sound bite. Uh, yeah, all your sound bites are uh, checked. Mike, Mike, one, Mike, two, Mike, one, one, two. Mike, Mike, one, two. Yeah. Uh, Ray, Raymond A. Gonzalez said, badass, phenomenal way to keep the history going. I can only imagine how proud those trainees would be when their link is placed, man. And I think that's a big part of it. I mean, it has to be, doesn't it? Just- oh, yeah. That, uh, so – at the end of, of Eudicium, uh, we would take it. Usually, it was it, it was a personal deal of the training staff and the volunteers that came down. They, we would line all the recruits up. We'd bring that that you know hundred and eighty pounder nine stone anvil, and they would hammer their link into the into the historical chain. And now the command staff will get up at four o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, come down here. They take their link from them and give them a challenge coin so our fire chief you know the head ding dong come gets up at four in the morning on a saturday or a sunday and has a he actually made special coins that have the value vision or our, our value statement on the back and the anvil on the front and uh 30 uh 37 stars on there representing every fire station there was a, a lot so, to it it's intentional which was started by two guys you know from tulsa two guys in our training division stole that idea and and incorporated and bastardized it into this amazing program. And then our command staff has bought into that program and made challenge coins and wants to be involved in that. And so it's just that infectious cultural change. Yes. And so they give them the challenge coin. And that is the first time that our fire chief says, welcome to the Oklahoma City Fire Department. And what's, what's cool about it is the recruits are like, that was cooler than actually graduating from a <laughs> That's powerful. You know, that was our graduation. Mm-hmm. That's what they look like. Their graduation is after that that extended training day. So it's it's just kind of a cool. No, no, and I, uh, and not to put you yeah. on the spot, but when you started it, when it was started, like you said, it was two guys who stole it from Tulsa and all that. And I, I'm not taking, but there was not like everybody just jumped on board and was like, "Hey, we're all doing this." It, at first, it was just two guys making it happen, right? Two guys that were making it happen, and then uh, and they really, they really didn't have a lot of support from the training staff. They were. Uh, they were FTOs, uh, or one was an FTO and one was a training staff. But the, the actual the cadre of the training cadre really didn't need, they didn't even show up. You know, they came for a little bit and then left right. and all that type of stuff. So there were two guys and a handful of uh, guys that are all in right out in the departments. And you guys know who I'm to. You know, your Jesse Williams and your Tim Sullivan yes. and yes. Wes Sittens, yes. the, the who's who guys that that I love dearly and show up day in and day out. That are just bought into. You try to take a picture with them. They're like, "Get away from me! I'm here to get away." Yeah, yeah, go away. I don't want to be on. And and I will praise them in public because those guys are awesome. But they had a handful of guys that they they uh, sold a bill of goods, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll make it work." And they did, and it was, and it's just that that first initial spark and a little bit of fuel is, Mm. is ignited into this giant beast. And I wanted to bring that up because you know there's a lot of people out there that that want to make a difference in their departments that want to make a change, but when they try to do something, it's just two guys, you know, holding a, a can of gasoline and a lighter, and like, can we do this? You know, like, yeah, you absolutely can, man, do it, because it it, it has gone from two guys pushing it at OKC, and then to the chief handing a challenge coin and it being more important than the actual graduation. And I'm not trying to take away anything from anything, but that's. Pretty true, no, and, that, and that's just, you know, I get a lot of questions from guys of, 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 of down that path of, you know, uh, how do we, 
my, you know, my, my volunteer department or my, my pay department doesn't matter. We're, right. And in all reality, we're all volunteer firefighters. I just happen to get paid. Nobody right. conscripted me into being a fireman so I can leave at any time. I'm a volunteer. I, I just make a good wage at it. Uh, I'll get off that soapbox. <laughs> but uh, I get I get people that send me emails or phone calls. Of how how do I how do I develop that that tradition? All right. Right. The recruits that I have had that have that have seen that historical change chain or have gone through EUDCM, they think that that is what we've done all the time. And what makes a tradition is somebody taking that first step and creating that 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 space and then somebody continuing it on the next time and the next time and the next time and then it becomes a tradition. But you have to take that first step. You have to make that move. And if you're two guys with no support going, hey, this is a really cool idea, let's push it. And it goes back to, ah, God dang, I can't remember the guy, the, the 10%, 100% of the time. He's talk, He's watching right now. He just said, Rob Fisher. Oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, I will totally quote you. That's how you do, you do yes. it. You do that push, and you do, and it is relentless. That relentless 100% of the time and not accept failure is to push that 10% of the time. And eventually you'll push through, through that envelope and you will get guys to jump on your board. The tail will truly wag the dog. No, it's awesome, man. And you're, and you're living proof because I'm going to read you some of the quotes, which is um, badass, phenomenal way to keep the history going. I can only imagine how proud those. Yes. Amanda Miller said, y'all, dang. So I'm with y'all with an apostrophe. I'm guessing she's from Oklahoma, but definitely the South. Dang. <laughs> it's hella exciting to hear someone speak of creating a core identity with the Anvil and Forge concepts. Investing in a departmental history and promoting a heart and mind buy-in is absolutely key to retaining firefighters and giving them something deeper to rely on. Indoctrination of core fire service principles is sorely needed. So good to hear this kind of thing is being heard and adopted. And so that's just the kind of thing people identify with, grab onto. Tyler Berry from my own department said, outside departments have also benefited greatly from the extended training day and that's what i'm saying like when you first started it was just a couple guys making it happen and a now a couple of guys playing around on a sun or on a weekend and two, two and years in a row two years in a row you've allowed us to send up an entire company to plug in and get live fire training real deal radio communications people coming up and grabbing them as much stress i mean it's amazing so uh absolutely um where am I at? Well, I, and I'm hoping uh, if we could pull it off this time, you know, you know, obviously everybody's aware of our uh, uh, issues with the, the amount of number of just the sheer volume of, of recruits we had this time. But we fully flexed because there's there's a tremendous amount of value in getting that mutual aid response and working with other firefighters. We have 620 square miles and I want to say, don't hold me to the numbers, but like 23 city entities that we interact interact with. Yeah. Not necessarily fire departments, but you right. know, counties and all that, all that type of stuff. So automatic aid now with Bethany, automatic aid with Yukon, right. automatic aid with Midwest City, Down automatic with aid with yeah. Moore and Norman is that's going to be our standard of care. And we got to figure out how to interact and what a better way to interact in a, in a stressful, uh, you know, time compressed manpower limited. And we learned a ton of from stuff from, from more because 
our instant commander doesn't uh, I know. go in on interior. It was attack. it was a and big like he went in and we're like, what the hell's going on? And so you know, it was it was a great learning experience for us of, of you know, not necessarily how we do business is right. not right or wrong, but how you know I do me. The only way we you, were going to find out, I need to, right was was the next house fire was the only way we were going to find out when everybody's going like, yeah, and, and there's a <laughs> right. That disconnect. Our citizens are, are right, the ones that are pay the price. Expecting us to figure that out, and that is not the time. Right. You know, what the hell's going on? You no, know, figure, so. figuring it out at Eodicium and and is way better than than on the fire ground. And and, and that, yeah, yeah. What I you know my ultimate arcing goal would be to to do many Eodiciums for our mutual aid companies. We'll bring in oh that'd be awesome. Uh, you know. 35s and, and your companies that, that actually, the companies that actually mutual aid with each other, right. bring them down. We do live burns and you guys get to interact. We, we get dispatch involved and they do the, Ooh, that'd be great. Uh, the patching and all Let's that. Let's do that next stuff. week. Uh, after November. <laughs> Let me get my feet in <laughs> so. yeah, A little bit of a rookie class coming at you. Uh, Just a little. Uh, where are we else? Uh, Rob Fisher, the man said, Corley, it only takes one person to make something happen. 100%. Absolutely. Um, one person can make a difference. Keep pushing forward. Shine your light. Rob Fisher said, "Amen, brother." Two exclamation points. I'm pretty sure he was acknowledging being acknowledged, but uh, that's where the quote came from. Ten pounds of pressure, hundred percent of the time. Uh, gotta be well, willing. Gotta be willing to be a man on an island sometimes until someone is convinced. That came from DK Deck. Sure. Corey Summers said, "We can handle it." The training division has always found a way. Yes, one of my uh, training lieutenants that's uh, really stepped up to the plate. So that's that's awesome. Thousand, yeah, love it, man. All right, pulling up the notes. We are at we're over an hour already, Dane. Oh, all right, yeah. Well, all right. It's nice talking to you guys. We'll see. You. I did Go. not even get to the meet yet, but so I want to ask you because I don't even know the numbers. You sent them to me, but I didn't write them down. So. Advice to someone in charge of training recruits, man. Like, what would your advice be to them? Because you, you're in charge of the training academies. Like, and I, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but you get my son. My son's starting in like, I don't know, twelve days at OKC Fire Training. Um, hold on, my battery is dying, so I'm getting somebody to come in here because I'm banging off my. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm hot spotting because my. Uh, my Wi-Fi at the hotel is. is if crap, I lose so. day and you guys get me, so if so. you lose me, all right. So I, I apologize. I was just uh, sending a flare. Advice to people my, in charge of training. Advice to people in charge of training is realistic training. Make your your training realistic. Match mirror what you uh, you do in the field. Uh, what is terrible about every department is you get your hand me downs. Uh, the, the equipment you have is, uh, you know, the guys are out there using Halmatro battery-operated hydraulics, and you're, you're still teaching them off of a Genesis with, with cables and all that type of stuff. Try to make your training realistic, and it's, it's not an easy task. But the best idea or best advice I would give a, a, a new training officer is get into the books, find out uh, – you know, the, uh, the, uh, clients, uh, recognition, prime decision, made. figure out how people learn, uh, base your, base your training, uh, academy on the science of how, how people truly learn, 
which is that's a big monumental deal. But on the side note, if uh, make your training uh, objective, uh, figure out what your objectives. All right. So if I want these guys to learn how to throw a ladder properly and not clear obstructions and do all that, and then work your training backwards from that. From the objective. find out what your objective is. Don't just train. Ah, I'm just going to pull hand lines. No, I want to teach them. Uh, water mapping or whatever find out what you're truly trying to teach your guys what you want them to learn and then tailor that training to that work nice. your way backwards from that that final goal of, of of end product and don't be afraid to break from the ifsta model you know the if it in the ifsta model is is great because that gives you a starting point but we will take that uh, firefighter one and firefighter two is I'm going to throw out stupid numbers like 140 hours of, of training. One hour of that is based on 1% of that is based on fire behavior. Why are we not teaching <laughs> right. more of that? No doubt about you know, it. You know, fire behavior is our bread and butter. 100%. If you do not understand your enemy and how that enemy works and that fire behavior. No. Yeah. Fire behavior. You do your job. Building fire structure. behavior. Yeah. yeah. No, those fire two behavior, building, that, those are two. How is my structure going to uh, respond to the fire behavior that I have? And how do I not, you know, if I don't know how to read smoke and what that fire is going to do, where it's going to go, where my flow paths are, what it, what is going to happen when I open that window or open that door and change those flow paths and, the, and you know, all those those things. If you look at the stack Vista model, it's it's not in there. It's one percent of all your training. No. So and it should base be your training fire on behavior the, on the and building construction. I will, I will say it right now. Those two should be like eighty percent of your uh, rookie academy. I mean, <laughs> I agree. I, I, I totally agree. So don't don't be afraid to go outside the model. You still have to teach to a standard. Right, and you still have to reach those benchmarks. You still have to get your certification, but that does not stop there. You know, right. that is your starting point. Right on. And you, as a training officer, need to figure out what your department needs and mm. uh, what your uh, uh, what your response is. Uh, it's very unique, and a, and a problem for us is that you know we cover six hundred twenty square miles, and so we have to cover wildland firefighting. We got to have cover rural firefighting which involves tanker shuttles and brush right, and right. all that type yeah, of stuff absolutely and you know drafting and then to the other extreme how do i teach a guy to to fight fire on the the 30th floor of a of a high rise right. and how to pump that and do all that type of stuff so but if and then in the middle your bread and butter what is that bread and butter uh you know thousand square foot two thousand or uh two thousand square foot uh, room and content structure fire. So if you have those objectives that, hey, I want to teach my guys uh, how to uh, pull uh, appropriate hand line for the uh, a one, two, three room and content structure fire that all right, I know I can pull an inch and three quarter, maybe a uh, smooth bore, fog nozzle, we won't get into that deal, but uh, that if I have Two room and content structure fire and the inch and three quarters good, but if I have three, maybe I need to pull a two and a half or drop in with two hand lines. Right. If we start to, so that's my benchmark. Where I'm, okay, I want them to know the difference between what host packages I need to bring, and then I work backwards, backwards. on my training. Yeah. 
No, and you got that would people. be the really that's the long answer to a, a, a complex problem. Long answer, long question. Yes, I love it. I love it, man. I love the scrap, and I love the answers I get. Uh, start with the end in mind. DK Deck said that. DK, let me know if it's not DK. If it's Dick Deck, let me know. But Amen. Training <laughs> is no longer one size fits all. Uh, Absolutely. Rob, Rob Fisher said yes. At least eighty percent of the didactic. So, um, Sean Hoskinson, is that one of your guys? Yeah, that's Hochi. Okay, Hochi said that is he is the epitome of a senior firefighter. Love it. He is is awesome. I asked because he said we have the best training in this part of the country. Two, three exclamation points! Top notch live fire training. They will work with anyone until they are comfortable with whatever part of the job they are struggling with. Hands down, the best we have ever had in my twenty five years. But he said that, but he didn't say who he was with. So I was guessing he was with you. But no, that's that's uh, that's. Uh, massive props from uh, 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 an awesome firefighter. I appreciate it, Hochi. Very good, very good. Scott Schmidt said, thank you. Just confirmed, you just confirmed my endeavor, developing RPDM abilities every drill possible. Our goal tells us our way. Dude, that's a oh. great way to state it. Brother, reach out to me. I got all kinds of RPDM stuff. So, <laughs> I, and, the, and the crap that I have is is free knowledge. I'll, I'll give it everybody. Write a book on it. Vouch for it. DK said Derek Keel. There it is. Derek Keel, but I've been called worse and survived. <laughs> Chief Keel was just a litter mate of mine. So I, way to go, Chief. All right. That's, <laughs> that, that was the DK. So, so, yeah, absolutely. So I apologize if I mispronounced. Amazing Chief, by the way. And if, if, if anybody has the pleasure of working for him, it would be an honor because he is solid and salty as they come. Rock on. Okay. So we go into books. Books that you think firefighters should be reading doesn't have to be a firefighter book but what do you think firefighters should be reading i love to hear this stuff okay so i actually came prepared this time i have all of my books except for one okay so can you see that one yeah the stress effect great 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 stress effect what's great about this is all right so everybody should be a mentor or a mentee if you if you need somebody to to model your stuff out the the guy that uh uh, Skitty Rob Gilkerson was a firefighter of mine now. He's promoted to uh, a sergeant. I think he may be a lieutenant now. And we've always shared books back and forth. And he was like, hey, you know, you ought to read this book. And I'm like, hey, you ought to read this book. And he turned me on to this one, and, which was The Stress Effect. And it is The Stress Effect, Why Smart People Make Stupid Decisions. Right. Such a great and byline. It's into it's the, the, it's the nerdy weeds of cognitive uh, development and, and neuroscience on why when you get into that time compressed high stakes, resource, yes. high stakes stuff, how can you be successful? Right. And it was great about, you know, all starting out because I had time on, on Rob in, in our department. And so I always kind of considered myself the mentor, but what's great about our relationship is there are many times I'm like, damn, he is mentoring me. I'm the mentee more often than I'm the mentor to him. And so that's the way it should be. But he that's turned me awesome. on to that book. It is a great book on on how to overcome that, getting it back here in that amygdala, pushing up into that PFC. Love uh, it. Uh, the next one, The Little Book of Talent. Okay. It is 52 little quotes out of Coyle's book on the talent code. And the talent code, for those guys that are training officers or developing a training program, this is how they train uh, Olympic athletes. 
Okay. The talent code is based on that. You know, the bust the myth on uh, uh, 10,000 hours to master a skill, and it is just nugget. They're like three-page little deals, nuggets on how to – uh, so train uh, firefighters. I want to dig. It talks about athletes, but it's you can. No, no. I want to dig. I want to dig. I'm like, do you like talent code better? Or do you like the little book of talent? Little book of talent. Better. Uh, the okay. talent code is 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 an excellent read, but if you don't have time, hit that. One. The little book of talent is like the cliff notes, right on to the talent code. And uh, you know, it's just like simple stuff. Like when you're uh, explaining a technique, uh, and it talks about a a, a tennis player. If if I if I tell you that you need to string, uh, swing your uh, your backswing into a into a, a deal into a linear approach and a flat line deal, that doesn't mean anything. But I, if I explain it to you in a simple term of I want you to sweep everything off the table, right, 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 or I want you to uh, strum the guitars like you're the like they're on fire. It's just those little simple memory techniques of uh, visualization that how you can incorporate. Solid skills. Nice, nice. So, and our and our training program is all based solely on the talent code. You get to so ba- you, like give one hundred percent credit to Daniel Coyle, Daniel Coyle, and uh, and, and Court Smith, who was the one that, that that came across it. And they and we based everything we did. Now we dumped a whole bunch of uh, stress inoculation. Sure. And, and, on top uh, of it, science behind right. on, on top of that door. Our academy is everything we do in our academy is really based. I love it, on legitimate love it. or intentional uh, goals that right. objective based. What do, what do we want them to get out of this? And then we work back and how we can we incorporate that into the academy? So. I love it. All right, next, next. one. Woo. Woo. Leadership and self deception. It'll screw you up. Yep. You'll figure out. Uh, you know, if we were talking about the. Uh, Oh, what was the? God, I just drew a blank on the term. <laughs> uh, imposter. Oh yeah, the imposter syndrome. Imposter yeah. syndrome, right? Yeah. The leadership and the self-deception of how you, uh, as us as leaders, uh, uh, can go down a weird path, and how do you avoid that weird path of of, of personal bias and all the all the stuff that goes in? It's it's a great weird read if you want to take that next step into that leadership role. And, and there are firefighters out there right now that are like, Oh, I'm not a leader. I'm not a, I'm not a driver. I'm not an officer. I'm not a chief or anything like that. Leading can take place at the boots on the ground. Yes. That tail that wags the wall wags the dog. A hundred percent. So we're all leaders in, in some aspect. And, uh, you know, that always goes back to that, uh, uh Harry Truman, everybody said, you know, not all readers are leaders. But all leaders are readers. Mm. So get in the books, figure it out. If you don't have time, get them on audio. I listen to a lot of audio books mm-hmm. on the way to and from work and, and crush it other stuff. Another one that I don't have actually physically with me is The Source of Power, uh, which is uh, Klein's uh, stories behind his research into recognition on the privacy. IPDM, okay. And so sources of power gets way in the weeds and oh, yeah. the science side of it. <laughs> Everything Klein it, does gets in the weeds. Oh, it's, it's terrible. And yeah. I'm like having to backtrack and re-listen. This is one of the, the audio books that I'm listening to or have listened to twice. Now I'm, I'm going through the third time is it, because it's just so intense on, on how we put all these things together and how your neural pathways go in and how right. you, and then even, dabbles into like PTSD and how you can pull that back and all that and how it 
becomes PTSD becomes ingrained into your into your uh, your neural pathways and all that. So it's neuroscience and nerdy stuff. And this one I'm going to throw up because, like I said, my life coach, uh, the person that's been responsible for all my great decisions, turned me onto this book. Okay. And what's great about that is this. Oh wow! Right? Yeah. It is fifty-three pages. And it is phenomenal. Okay. Right? I've not read it, so and I need to read it. It's all based on that right there, sticky note leader. So if you go through executive fire officer or brave fire leader and all that type of stuff, they're all going to circle back to this stupid posting note right here. Lift up your guys, provide the fuel to push them forward and ignite them. Filter all the crap that comes through. Nice. So they only get the good stuff and show them a direction and remove those barriers. Dude. Oh, you are an effective leader, right? Great book. Love it. And it's 53 pages. And if you're like, I can't read. Well, any jackass can read 53 pages, right? Yes. And you will be an effective leader if you pay attention to the stories that are in it. There it is, man. Dude, that might be the best. What books people should read. Those are my five books. It's not nearly as good as who is the cat that just said the Bible. And I'm like. Damn, that's a good. Yeah, that's, that's a really a good, good answer. That's a really yeah, good answer. Like a real good one, you know. You know, treat others like you don't want to treat yourself, and you know all the <laughs> story. Yeah, like, golden rule and the Bible. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I win. All right, there's a thing on the weekly scrap. It is eventually going to change. I'm going to update the questions at some point. I'm not sure how to do it exactly yet, but it has not happened yet. So we're still stuck with the five questions for firefighters. They're okay. completely your opinion. Perfect. And the points are arbitrary and assigned by me, although everybody gets max points apparently, but I'm trying to really not do that. Sony, not the point. Dane, y'all, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters? Let's get it on! <laughs> so that's my, uh, what was the, we talked about it before the scrap actually started. Kinso, uh, uh, I just drew a blank on it. I can't help you. C-Shock, can you? The oh. Japanese art of focus. Okay. We're going okay. this way. Let's bring it. All right. Daniel, number one, what is the number one issue facing the modern fire service? The number one issue. All right. Uh, social media. Social media, I think, has, has burned more firefighters than anywhere. It's created a black eye. We're, uh, we're solution-driven uh, People, so when somebody posts something, we want to we'll solve that problem and argue our argument. And a lot of times, it doesn't matter what you say, that people are going to believe what they believe. You want to defend our honor. We've had uh, firefighters that uh, our, our, our mayor has actually posted stuff on his Facebook page, and our fire and people, you know, trolls will throw stuff on there. And uh, one of our firefighters, defends his honor and uses some colorful language and all that type of stuff. And so it's just, you know, social media is such a, a, a weird beast. Yes. And so it creates a lot of weird space for uh, us to fall into traps. And then the, the legal ramifications uh, that you could run into of not only what you posted now, but what you posted 20 years you know, ago, 20 years ago when you were an idiot. Uh, and you weren't, you were back here or not up here. Right. You know, the breaks on my decision-making processes weren't developed and we're still held accountable for it. And so that, uh, uh, is always, uh, I think is a huge, huge problem because we want to, 
we want to argue our case, and that's sometimes not the the best route to go. And it's so hard. It, it is so hard when someone says something you know is just erroneous, and you're like, "Oh wait, I can completely eviscerate this person right now." Click, 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 click. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and then you have this troll war that yeah, goes and, back and, and no forth. one wins. At the end of the day, no one wins. Or you post something, you know, hey, we had this badass fire. We post this video on the thing, right. and then the and then the trolls yeah, jump just, in just, and go, oh, attack. you weren't wearing your mask, or right. you you had your gloves on the wrong hand. I can't believe your you know, pinky whatever. toe was in the wrong position. You know, yeah, we're we're our worst enemy. So I think, yeah, that's uh, uh, social media is is always just a, a landmine of problems. No doubt about it. Okay, I love that. I love that. Number two, what is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? All right. So forget what I just said. Okay. Social media. <laughs> Social media is, is amazing in the fact that I can I can I can see a podcast, I can I can pull up a video, I can pull a you know campo. You know, it used to be that I would read about these guys, you know, Isaacs and, and uh, uh, Ray McCormack and Campo and uh, uh, yeah. Romagus, all yeah. the, you know, all, all, the, all the guys that are Moshe, you know, writing books, doing all the stuff, teaching in all these lectures and these conferences was always obtainable. You know, hey, oh, you know, uh, Holman doing the FDIC and, and you would, uh, you had to go. Yeah. You had to go, or you had to go to FDTN. You had to, uh, you had to go to, you know, to hear Brush's uh, uh, stuff on uh, uh, nozzle tactics or right. whatever. You know, we had to actually physically pack up, commit, and go to a location. And now, because of social media, I can do, two, you know, a couple of clicks on the book and and watch a podcast or watch a video and get all those nuggets. It's readily available. No. There is no more excuses of. Well, hey, my department, if they don't pay me yeah. to go, it's not worth knowing, right? right? Is that it's, it's free the and it's whole available. Fire, the fire service is shrinking? Absolutely. No, 100%. Dude, no, no, so, you nailed so, it. Both, yes. Yes. No, and, yes, that, good. and that's bad why good. the max points 100% on one and two. Best rank or position to be in in the fire service? Lieutenant. Okay, you got to explain what that means. Uh, I'm going to say that you're more effective as a station officer. You can command your presence. You can you can push an agenda. You can mold and and show the way. Okay, right. But as far as 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 a driver, you're this guy. So you're talking chauffeur. Uh, chauffeur. Okay. Right? okay. So a chauffeur. Right. Engineer. When the station officer's gone, they ride up and all that type of okay, stuff. Okay. If there's a problem, oh, you have a problem. You have a complaint. You need to talk to that guy. Right, and you push it up the hill. You have heavy lifting and hard things to do. I'll get my guys on that. Right, so it's this guy. It's that 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 in between one foot here and one foot there of the boots in the ground. There's there's that anchor. So if if you uh, if you look at it as from a tree analogy, your your commanding officers, your your command staff is the leaves, and they come down and they sprinkle good ideas, and everything comes down. And if you think about the trunk as your station officer, and it comes down through there. And then it feeds down into the roots of the boots on the ground. That's the anchor and the base of which all your work is done. And all the nutrients come up from that is that flow between that station officer and the roots is that that driver. And so 
they can they can push narratives the the upside uh, the upsetness or the disgruntledness can be staved off by that driver by pushing it up to that station officer and then flow back the other direction right the on. narrative that needs to be pushed through so i think the the driver is a pivotal position that is that is really lost and not only that they're the guy when you're on the end of a headline that determines whether you get water or not. water or not no it's definitely pivotal so, there definitely you go. pivotal that's just my opinion but i like your I opinion. It, but i actually i truly as a as a a, a, a captain major uh enjoy this this position is the funnest i've ever had right on okay so best advice you have ever received uh from an episode of magnum pi oh yeah this is 19- the first this is the first piece of advice ever given by tom Selleck on the scrap go tom Selleck, right 80 was it Higgins? Say, i'm just uh 80 84 to 86 there was a quote in there there was there was a wise owl that lived in an oak the more he saw the less he spoke Ooh. the less he spoke the more he heard why can't we be like this wise old bird you gave me that last night. I did not know I did. it came from Magnum PI. Mag, I, I completely stole it. Like all good ideas in the fire department, I stole it from somebody else. But it, uh, that is the hallmark. Open your ears. Close your mouth. Pay attention. Learn from the people that are above you. Learn from the people behind you. Love it. Or below you. And then every once in a while, throw out, out your good ideas too. Every once in a while, you if, can you're, oh, if you're open and, uh, and, and listening to all the information that's coming at you, you'll you'll grow as a as a person. Was that Higgins or was it was it Tom Selleck? I no, mean, it was actually a serial killer that he was busting <laughs> and he threw that out there. I'll have to find the episode okay. and I'll shoot it to you. No, but, let me know. Yeah. Let me know. I'll yeah, that kind of turned really dark quick, but you know, hey. No, no, but great piece of that's, advice. That's what you're known for is the rabbit holes, right? And you can still quote it. That's the yeah. crazy part. So it obviously had an impact. Yeah, it, it, it ranked true when I was, you know, 16 or 17 when I watched the episode. I was like, God, that is amazing. That's so That's true. Thank you. You know, what's crazy is how, how big of an impact did that, like a Magnum PI episode, have into you being who you are today? You, you know, know my mom was like, that TV, that, that devil TV will ruin your brain. Your couch potato. You know, and, and now I'm quoting it, you know, 30 years later. So. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy fire. Searchable space, would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Uh, it would be, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a rescue guy. Uh, I've been a rescue guy my whole time or my whole life, my whole career. Right on. Uh, and so if anything, besides my personal opinion, Recibo, rescue, right? It's the first letter in Recibo. Life safety is to stabilization property conference. Con, con, yeah. Life safety is to conservation property conservation. Right? Lips, right? Life safety. So if, if that is not your goal, that to expect victims and to find victims, that's that is we're not here to put out fire. Love it. Fire fire attack is only to recapture real searchable real estate. Yes. Okay. That's it. all fire attack is, is, is to own and save real estate so that search can take place. Because if the building's fully involved, we're not doing anything, right? That's So life safety is, is, is our goal. So vent and search is our goal. Rescuing people, expect the victims, bar none. I don't think it's been articulated better. Uh, I love it. 
I love it. And and if anything, who gets on the news? The person that runs out with the the victim in their okay. arms, or the guy with the nozzle that said, "Yeah, kicked ass on that one." Right. No, that never happens. Even if it's a they mannequin, killed the fire. Right? One of the greatest movie. Even if made. it's a mannequin or a dog. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, coming out with your mannequin on like <laughs> backdraft. Right. Yes. <laughs> love it. There it is. Officially, number one hundred eight is in the books, brother. Boom in the can. I, I appreciate you. No, I got I got to like half the questions I had for you, but oh. it's awesome, man! It's awesome. Yeah, uh, if someone wants to get a hold of you, reach out to you. How can they do so? Okay, so uh, send me an email, Dane D A N E dot Yaw Y A W at LKC dot Drop me an email or crap four zero five six one five nine three one one. Drop me a text. I'll send you whatever I got, and if you uh, and I will steal whatever you got. So well, that's the whole idea of the fire service is to uh, pay it forward or pay it back. One of the that's other. it, man, so. dude. I love that. I love that. And hundred uh, percent, you catch this guy at conferences across the country, and he is hundred percent the real deal. That's why I love him. So, um, other than that, I'm trying to think. Bears of the Oath next week. Bears Absolutely. of the Oath. Shane Bentley conference. Oh, I didn't even get to Mid America Fools Fire Conference. Go. Yeah, 22nd, 23rd. Uh, Give some hype. Give some hype. We got uh, Ray McCormack, the man, the myth, legend, uh, the FDIC uh, keynote speech of all times, the most viewed, is going to come in. He's going to be our keynote speaker. We have breakout sessions on the 22nd. Uh, five really solid instructors that are going to be uh, teaching, just yes. throwing nuggets. And then the 23rd, we have hot tracks with uh, uh, Bentley, or uh, not Bentley, but Dave Mellon's going to come down and right do on. Uh, Sprinkle his magic. We got uh, uh, Vin and her search under fire conditions. It'll be uh, then we have fire attack nozzle uh, uh, nozzle handling, and it's uh, and then we got uh, all saws in there with uh, Seth Taylor and and, yeah. and uh, Josh Piercy are gonna cut all kinds of crazy stuff with saws, and hopefully nobody will cut a leg off. <laughs> uh, but it'll be a it'll be a great time. So. Uh, Get on Mid America Fools uh, Facebook page. Find the link. Join in. Come on, it'll uh, it'll be good to. Uh, we have a hundred spots, uh, I think, available or not available. We have ninety people that are or ninety five that are already uh, signed up, so space is limited. But right. uh, jump in. We'll we'll put chairs in the back. If you can be in Oklahoma at the late October, get a seat. If you want some badass training, badass lectures from some of the best in the service. And worst case, you get a cool T-shirt like what Corley's wearing right and, and right a free meal. So, so, yeah, come on. Love it, man. Hang okay. out with a bunch of fire nerds, and uh, we'll burn some stuff down. So that's Mid-America. Cool, uh, that's Mid-America, end of October. Bears of the Oath, conference number three. It's next week. I'll be there. I'll be teaching. I want to see you there. I want to get pictures with you with Mutts Don't Scrap. So look for me there. Uh, guests coming up. Uh, when I get back. There's a lot going on in October, but Nicholas Papa, Ventilation, FDIC, uh, oh, Fire Engineering good. book. Dude, it's going to be a great book. I mean, a great scrap. He's, he's, That'll be a good one. Yes, I 100% think so. Um, and then November 1, Dave McGrill, Chief Dave McGrill from oh. yeah, High Rise Ops, man. It's just, and uh, what, what, I, I, I wanted, So you started off here and you're just going to ramp up, right? I start with Dane. Yeah. Start no, with Dane. I don't rank And ramp up to. I started with the doing. best. I started with Dane, and it's like everybody else is just top tier. 
Such a lie. And then, but no, and then Dan, Danny Dwyer after that. So oh. it, it is a it is a solid lineup moving forward. I'm super pumped. Um, uh, I wanted to mention this. I, I wore this intentionally. Next wrong, man. If you use Amazon, and I think that means like 99.8% of the uh, population, if you use Amazon, go in there, sign up, Amazon Smile. Every time you make a purchase on Amazon, they will give money to Nextrung, and it doesn't cost you anything. Do and it. And they're, all, they're yeah. all about mental health for Hell yes. uh, firefighters. It's, it's a great program, super, super cool guy that, that started that. Yes. So, yeah. Change your Amazon account to Smiles and, and, and throw money in his general direction because it's a great cause. If you're wondering how, go to Firehouse Vigilance or go to Nextrung, and there's a video that explains exactly how to do it. It took me, I mean, literally, I'm slow with technology, and it took me like 10 seconds to make it happen. And Super easy. Yes, and you can you can help, uh, potentially help someone who needs um, mental support. Uh, yes, I, yeah. Bad at words. So, Dane, I had a blast. Another shameless plug. That's it. Oh, you got your one. Your wife, your wife is holding a conference. And mine are holding a conference. Yes, a marriage retreat in December. Uh, Fire life together. Look it up on Facebook. Fire life together. It's a private group. Join it in, and they're holding a, con- a marriage conference in December. That is, I will be there. Full of, I'll be there. Dane will be there. So, if you. Uh, and that's that's the hidden gem of, of or the dirty little secret of the fire department: a happy wife, happy life, happy fire service. Mm. So if you're even if you're not struggling, what was great about their 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 first uh, retreat was it was from the first year firefighter family to the thirty year firefighter yes. family, and and people in there. We had uh, one of the chief's wives that's like I I've, I've been on uh, he's been on the job for thirty years, and I wish I would have heard this before. Right. Great stuff, you know, how to... Uh, That's the first we, weekend we tr- of December, right? First weekend of December? Oh, she's going to kill me because I don't I'm know pretty the sure. exact date. Oh, uh, yeah. First weekend of December. The 7th? No, Something uh, like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, let me look. I don't look want to contra- contradict you. I don't... I don't I'm getting uh, she's, it. I'm getting it. She's going to beat my eyes shut. Yeah. December We're 3. We're going to have to go to the retreat. Just December 3 and 4. 3 and 4. 3 and 4. I'll hold them up. Yes. Yes. I got your back. I got your back. Thank Dane. you. It was a good recovery. Three and four is seven. Yes. There we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Um, everybody, please remember that mutts don't scrap. Thank you for being here. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for uh, comments. Uh, I love it. Dane, thank you for being an unbelievable guest on Weekly Scrap number 108. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on there. It was It was a blast. I hope the tone stays silent, unless it's burning. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.